class. My name is Sharon Welch and I'll be your moderator for this class. We will have the charts uh, put up soon. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated and shown proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school is result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. Mm. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established brand schools throughout the United States, Canada, and other certain foreign countries. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. The Dean of the Syracuse, New York class is Dr. Patrick Trevison. <clears throat> the president is Dr. Robert Welch and our Vice President is Dr. John Cometti. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been mistranslated to read Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been mistranslated to read God. And the name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been mistranslated to read Jesus. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit states in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, that there are Lord's many and that there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. <clears throat> Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that is the title that the creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah and proper renderings of the true name of the Father and his Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. <clears throat> Yahweh is pure spirit, and in that state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on a Moses chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because the cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have the cloud painted all around the Moses chart to show you that everything on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. 
Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in the pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself, known as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself and walked the earth plane as Joshua the Messiah, whom the world erroneously calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Messiah at the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding, <clears throat> the name and title can be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by a divine pattern. It's called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. He instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness. This tabernacle pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. We also go about in the school to show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of the threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. <clears throat> Our school has time, 10 primary constitutional aims and objectives, and they are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating in the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once to live under the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah <clears throat> with the hope of immortal glorification in the new world state. <clears throat> I watch word is peace. And our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, I'd like to have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. 
And that'll be followed by a scripture, which is 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Linda Volpe. And our other reader for this class is Dr. Reba Sahar. Dr. Geller. Good evening, class. Oh, Yahweh, we are so grateful that you have provided a place for us to come where we can hear the honest truth about you, knowing that truth is scarce these days. There's a famine in the land for the truth of Yahweh. But you have revealed yourself unto your sons through the vision given to Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley and have placed it in the hearts of men to spread your word through whatever means available so that those people that love the truth would be able to have access to it. We're so grateful you have called us and we ask that you still our minds from the thoughts of this world and allow us to concentrate on those things you have in store for them that love the truth. This we ask in the blessed name of your son, Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say hallelujah. 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 I will be reading from the King James Version of the Bible, Schofield Edition. And I will be inserting the correct names where needed. And I'm reading 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the sons? Do ye not, do ye not know that the sons shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, and ye are unworthy to judge the smallest matters, Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the assembly. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather allow yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor, adulter nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, uh, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. And such were some of you, but ye are washed but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of Yahshua the Messiah and by the spirit of our Elohim. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food for the body and the body for foods, but Yahweh shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for Yahweh, 
and Yahweh for the body. And Yahweh has both, both raised up Yahshua and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of the Messiah? Shall I then take the members of Yahshua and make them the members of a harlot? Yahweh forbid. What? Know ye not that he is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto Yahshua is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is outside the body. And he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have of Yahweh, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify Yahweh in your body and in your spirit, which are Yahweh's. First Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Thank you very much, Dr. Geller and Dr. Volpe. Soon we'll have a three-speaker format this evening. Each speaker will get about approximately 30 to 35 minutes. And I'd like to thank everyone that has joined us on our Zoom and also those that are viewing us on our live YouTube channel. And for our first speaker this evening, we'd like to call on Dr. Tony Pagano from our Gates New York class. Dr. Pagano. Yes, good evening. Good evening. This is unexpected. <laughs> um, oh, being first speaker is always so hard. Where to start? Um, the scripture was very good. Um, I don't even have anything in my mind, so just give me a second. <laughs> um, let's see. I have been doing a lot of reading. Um, and you know, the thing that just always makes me just so happy to know that this is the truth. And that's when Yahweh just, he talks to me constantly. Like, and I, you know, it's, it sounds weird saying that, but, you know, I'll be reading something and then I'll listen to a class and there they are just talking about the same exact thing that I was just reading. And it's just, it's incredible. And um, I have questions a lot, but I'm not a very talkative person. Um, I'm not someone who speaks <laughs> or talks in general. I'm a very um, internal person. So yeah, I'm constantly thinking and I'm constantly, you know, everyone has questions about anything. And, you know, I'll 
I'll just, it's so funny because I'll just think of something and then, you know, I'll listen to a class or two and Yahweh just completely floods that question to the point that it's like, okay, I, I hear you. I, I got my answer and, you know, I'm satisfied. And I, it, it's incredible to me that I don't even need to voice my question out loud because Yahweh knows exactly what I'm thinking because he, that's, that's how he operates. He knows the very thoughts in your head. Um, can we get, I'm sorry, I'm terrible with scriptures. Um, can we get um, nothing's hidden from Yahweh or no, um, Yahweh knows your secret faults. I can't remember <laughs> if anyone knows where something like that is. Um, and he can just pluck those thoughts right out of your head and answer them. And that just, it gives me so much confidence and faith that I'm in the right place. Um, because where, where else would that be possible? Um, it's 12, just 19 and 12. Oh, you can read that. I'll pick it up at 11. Moreover, by them, this was Psalms 19 and 11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Yep. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright. And I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Yep, that's yeah. He know he knows your secret faults, and he knows exactly what you're thinking. And that is just that unity of the spirit that's running through each of us. That we we all have these same trains of thoughts at similar times and it just it's absolutely incredible to me um an example is you know um i know a lot about moses and the law because we work with that often um the migration of the children of israel but i had had a you know i had been thinking you know i, I don't really know a lot about the kings and I don't really know, you know, what happened after they got into Canaan's land. And then it was very shortly after that. I like, I know Ithaca's working on it. Um, I know there's um, that other class in California, they were working with it. And it's Yahweh just, you know, okay, here's, here's what you need to know. And he just, he absolutely um gives you the answers that you need um when at, as you're thinking them especially now with zoom and with all the youtube classes and <laughs> what's really fun is when i'll think of a question and i'll watch a class that was played the previous day and the questions answered in that class <laughs> cuz it's like he 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 knows you know he, he just knows because that's, that is 
the Elohim that we have, that is Yahweh. Um, just absolutely, he, he's omnipresent. He's always there. He's all powerful and he's all knowing. And nothing can escape him. And nothing is going to escape him. And he has got everything under control. And that gives so much stability. And Yahweh gave us witnesses so that we can have a surety that he is real. And I don't, you can't, if, <laughs> if he gives you the witnesses and he gives you the proof, there's nothing to doubt. You are stable and you are firm. And he is that rock. And that rock is Yahshua. And just to have that stability, um, and you look out in the earth plane, and, you know, people are shaken, and the earth is shaking, and there's, you know, earthquakes, and all this, all these natural disasters, and, you know, people are really afraid of what's going on in Russia, and they're worried about, you know, what's going to happen with China. And they're worried about, they're worried. They're just worried. People are just worried to go to the grocery store because you don't know if someone's going to shoot the place up. It's, they're, the world's crazy. And to have that stability, to know that Yahshua, he has it all under control, is just that is inc it's incredible it's comforting and it's it gives you so much strength um to just to to have that and i you know a lot of the the world just does not have that um and and i i talked to this one person and he wanted to move to sweden because he, he wanted to get away from the crazy people. But you just, the world is crazy. And the only stability out there is in Yahshua. And he gave us the pattern. He gave us this pattern and he gave us himself so that we could know something about him for a surety, something that we can stand in. Um... I don't really know where I want to go. Um, let's see. Oh, so I think I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, hopefully someone can pick up some pieces and hopefully someone got something out of that. But all praises and honor and glory go to Yahshua. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Pagano. <clears throat> For our next speaker, we'd like to call on Dr. Scott Miller from our Syracuse, New York class. Hello. Hope Hello. everybody can hear me okay. Yep. Um, I enjoyed the comments of the first speaker. It is difficult to get the ball rolling. Um, but she did a nice job, brought up some nice points. Um, I do want to get to the temple. I know we've been talking about the construction of that, um, but we could probably start a little bit and 
Corinthians. Um, let's see. I guess pick it up in um, like 12. First Corinthians 6, 12. Yeah. <clears throat> all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food for the body and the body for foods. But Yahweh shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for Yahweh and Yahweh for the body. Right. So a lot of people could pull this and, you know, well, there's a lot of people that glory in the flesh and um, are concerned about physical things. But we've come to find out that it's really more about the spirit, not the, in the physical points of the spiritual but it's not the reality. But we have to also acknowledge that, you know, we need to take care of our body or else it'll die. You can't preach the gospel if you're not alive, if you're not healthy, if you're not a class. So on one sense, we need to be mindful of actually our health and our welfare and, you know, the, the traps that the mystery of iniquity could set for us in the flesh. Because, you know, if he's going to use that, then that's, that could be a snare for us. You know, um, there's many things to do. Um, I know if you're like a Syracuse fan, there's many basketball games on Saturdays and Wednesdays right during class. You know, and that's just one small example of something physical. Or it could be a man or a woman, um, you know, a friend, a family, things that are people feel that are important. You know, but these things are, you know, you, you, class should be your focus and the most important thing in your life. So the physical can get in the way, but it's not really about the physical. It's about the internal dwelling of the Holy Spirit and, and Yahshua in us and us not taking credit for that. Really, we can't. There's nothing we can do. But so we need food for the belly. Um, but it said Yahweh's going to destroy all physical things are going to be done away with. And we're going to move on. And that's why things are so crazy now. You know, as Tony was saying, it's scary just to go out and do anything because you never know what's going to happen, what's around the corner nowadays. But Yahweh's manifesting all these things to show us that we're going into a spiritual covenant. And he set up a physical covenant first to show forth how things work spiritually. And one of the things he did was he made a tabernacle and he wanted to dwell amongst his people. So, and it brings up, I wanted to get to 19. Um, no, you not. I mean, that's one that we call, that's like the most noticeable thing in the scripture is what, no, you not that your body is the temple of the Holy spirit, which is in you, which you have of Yahweh and you are not your own. That's a very interesting statement. Well, keep reading, keep reading in the scripture. We'll okay. For all right, 14, and Yahweh hath both raised up Yahshua and will also raise us up by his own power. 
Know ye not that your bodies are the members of the Messiah? Shall I then take the members of Yahshua and make them the members of a harlot? Yahweh forbid. Right, and that's talking about the assembly and we're all members of the body and we're not going to be, you know, a harlot in a sense. We're not going to be going after other physical things, other religions, other doctrines. We're true to to our doctrine, to the truth. And we live in a day and an age where people are just, they're recently talking, talking in the news about how Tucker Carlson has taken that January 6th video and is completely lying about it blatantly, about the negative mm -hmm. that happened and all that stuff. And about the election, about the truth versus a lie. And <laughs> there's been a lot, a lot of that talk lately and about the truth and the lie out in, in the news because one side is lying about something that can be proven and another side is, you know, saying, hey, like things were done legitimately and we can prove it. So we have these two, two things playing out in the media and out in front of the public for everyone to see. Everyone looks at the United States for democracy, but you have like these, these, this truth and the lie playing right out for everybody to see. And, eh, you know, the boss sometimes makes you kind of, if you're for the truth, then you're for the truth. That's our slogan. Uh, keep going. 16. What? Know ye not that he who is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto Yahshua is one spirit. Flee fornication. Am I still on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. My screen went blank for some reason. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is outside the body. And he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom ye have of Yahweh, and ye are not your own? Right. We are not, we, are, we are not even our own. We're not even made with our own. Again, in the conception of a child, we do very little in that. Yeah. Yahweh does all the work. Yahweh does all, you know, coming out of, you know, we were not in shape and form. You have a, a sperm and an egg and, and the um, spiritual aspect of that is like Yahshua impregnating our soul with the Holy Spirit. And when he does, we're sealed. So it's not, you know, when you're pregnant, you're pregnant. <laughs> you're not kind of pregnant. You're all the way, you're all the way pregnant. And that's the way it is with, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't have it one day and then it's gone the next, you know. Um, see, but we're not, and Yahweh, he, Yahshua bought us with a price. That's his, he, he washed us in his own blood, you mm. know, that he sacrificed, he bought us with a price. He sacrificed himself for us. We didn't have to do anything for that. And see, we are Yahweh's. Um, why don't we go back? We'll just kind of pick up some things back, maybe in Exodus, start sort of simple exodus maybe 25 8 and 9 exodus 25 8 and 9 and okay and let them make 
me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all or of all the instruments thereof, even so shall make it. Right. So let them make me a sanctuary. So he's he's having the children of Israel. That's what we're looking at now. We're looking at that sanctuary that was built of all the substance that was taken out of out of Egypt, all that stuff again. And it was brought through the Red Sea, carried through and brought onto the other side. And they, it was like without shape and form, just how the earth was formed. You know, it did we like when we're formed and we don't have a shape and form at first and we come into a shape and form and the organization of the tabernacle, you know, where the vessels are placed and all that stuff was set up for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So Yahweh wanted to dwell among his people. And see, and then we come to find out that this sanctuary is also like a type of a, you know, there's 12 tribes. There's 12 tribes carrying 12 members to carry us around. If you break down the hand, the arm, you know, on the part of your shoulder, there's three around our tabernacle, you know, for, for the carrying of that. And it's showing that Yahweh was going to dwell within that tabernacle. Um, and then uh, 25 and 21 and 22. Exodus 25. So, and this is talking about the, the most holy place and where the ark went. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, read. Verse 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Right. So he's talking about he's going to put the mercy seat. So there's a mercy seat where Yahweh will dwell. And there's something in our called like a Celeturcica or Turkish saddle that's mm-hmm. in our brain <laughs> that witnesses to like having a seat where Yahweh will dwell. You know, and you can work both mysteries wanting to be, you know, only one could dwell there. Yahweh is always really pure spirit is always dwelling in our most holy place can be in, in running everything and running the creation. That's our cloud. That's how your, why your brain runs everything. That's how that works. And then you have your spinal cord. Then you have your peripheral nerve. It's like the father, the word, the Holy spirit. Yahweh, Elohim, Yahshua coming off, you know, you have the brain, the spinal cord, and all the nervous system working just that way. So he's talking about in the most holy place, which is where where he's going to put the ark, where the ark is, and, and the testimony shall go in there, like that Ten Commandment law, again, correlating to um, that pituitary gland that has secretes um which we find out secretes 10 primary hormones and they work also two of those work with your um thyroid so they're and and they're like it's like a little heart-shaped lobe too and it's like um the pituitary and then and then also with the way your thyroid and then you got the 10 because sometimes it's difficult to find those 10 hormones but if you look at all the things that it operates in your body, then you have all the hormones covered. But uh, read 22. 
And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Right. So he says, there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee. Mm -hmm. And also that's where on the day of atonement, you have the high priest, which only allowed to go up into that most holy place that one time a year. And where that flash of the Shekinah was reflected in that cloud in the most holy place where there was like a communing or a speaking. And that's where we have, again, that's where our thoughts are. So he's going to commune with us. So he's showing a principle of an indwelling in our most holy place that's likened unto, you know, a cloud and there's a communing between a high priest and Yahshua giving that, um, that atonement for the year. Um, so there's a dwelling there. Uh, if we can maybe get, pick it up again and like, let's say Leviticus, maybe 16, 16 and two. And Yahweh said unto Moses, speak unto Aaron, thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. So there's that mercy seat again. And Aaron, even the high, wasn't allowed in there at all times. He said, you know, speak unto him that he come you know, it, 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 so just because you're the priest or the high priest doesn't mean you can do what you want and, and not follow Yahweh's purpose or laws because you're going to pay the price. And that price was death. But he's picking up here again the principle he's going to appear in a cloud upon a mercy seat. And that's where he's mm -hmm. going to dwell. Um, so we had this tabernacle that was like a temporary dwelling. But also we were talking about how there's a temple that was made that was permanent. And these can show like in principle, um, you have the two covenants, like the first covenant, the old covenant was temporary and the new covenant would be permanent like the temple, but it, it wasn't for him to dwell in temples really. He's just trying to show us per, like his purpose. And that's what the world doesn't get. It, it's not that we're supposed to be constructing temples of worship, you know, but that, that's what the world, because when we're all younger, didn't we go, most of us went to some sort of, whether it was a, a Catholic church or, you know, a Methodist church or a synagogue, or we went to a building or a place of worship where we were told God dwelled there. And that's where we were supposed to commune with them. But see, that's not how the idea of intercession works. Um, where does it say that where Yahshua is the only intercessor between man and is that in Corinthians? First or second Timothy. Second Timothy. First Timothy two five. All right, if someone has that. Getting it. Trying to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, First Timothy 2 and 5. 
for there be one Elohim and one mediator between Yahweh and man, the man Yahshua the Messiah, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Right. So there is one, one Yahweh or one mediator between Yahweh and man, or Yahshua and man, Yahweh and man, and that's me. <laughs> and that man is Yahshua the Messiah. So it's not Mary. It's laid out right in the book. Right. Um, who it is. And that's another lie perpetrated on mankind that, you know, in the Catholic Church where I was raised in, they had Mary being an intercessor. And I'm sure in other religions, they let the, you know, and then the, also the priest. So you had to go to the priest, but you could go to Mary. But they wanted to make sure you didn't go try to talk to Yahshua himself, which again, I never agreed with that. That was just something I always personally felt wrong against and never went to confession, but still got to, took the host every Sunday because to me, it was just a piece of bread. It didn't really mean anything. I didn't really buy into the, you know, I didn't know the terms transubstantiation and consubstantiation at the time, but I was shocked to believe when I came to class that, that people actually bought into that. That, that mm -hmm. like really Catholics believe that that's really the body and blood and the priest turns it into that I had no idea that was going on as a Catholic I gotta be totally honest I just figured it was just symbolic I'm like wow they never told me we we're supposed to believe that because I probably wouldn't have you know I thought it was kind of dumb but mm -hmm. see but you could always talk I always felt you could talk to God sure enough in the Bible you know there's one mediator between Yahweh and, and man and that's Yash that man Yahshua the Messiah and that's why he died. It said he gave himself a ransom. You know, that's, again, why we're able, why we're, you know, and it's not anybody. It's those that are chosen, but that's another lecture. Um, <clears throat> so we had, let's see, where is it where, um, uh, where they're constructing the temple, where they're seeing the image of it. Oh. With, with David? Yeah. Uh, isn't that First Chronicles 28? Chronicles. I think that's what I want. I was thinking Kings. First Chronicles. Huh? Let's see. Nineteen. That he David said he made to understand. Let's see, First Chronicles, where was it? 2819. Not that one. Let's see. Yes. Um, pick it up at like C3. First Chronicles 3? Yeah, read that and then read 9. Okay, First Chronicles 283. <laughs> But Yahweh him said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Right. So he's saying David, even though David was the apple of his eye, he was a man of war and he couldn't build a house because he had blood on his hand. That's how I understand that to be, that David wasn't allowed. So he gave it to Solomon to do right all right go ahead on verse nine mm -hmm. and thou solomon my son know thou 
the Elohim of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For Yahweh searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Right. That's important. See, that's all he wants of us is to serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind, which we can't do on our own. You have to have the Holy Spirit to do that. And that's really was the problem back in the old covenant is they'd never, if anyone had the Holy Spirit, it was just on a temporary basis. Like the men that were given to construct the tabernacle, he would give the workmen his spirit and fill them with wisdom and knowledge. And it says that like Holy, Holy and Bezalel for constructing the tabernacle. And then again, in the temple, you needed these, you needed people to do, Yahweh needed to, this stuff done right so on a temporary basis there were some that had the holy spirit briefly to do things and again when the the um prophets um when the word came on to the prophets you know mm -hmm. is that really an indwelling of the holy spirit i don't you know sometimes it said he would dwell you know but he would commune with people more in an external way and temporarily in an internal way but in the new covenant it's going to be a permanent indwelling he's going to you know and that's how you're going to serve him with a perfect heart he's going to make your heart perfect he's going to turn that stony heart you know again we could get jeremiah we know jeremiah we know ezekiel how these this heart is was stony that's why the the law put into the ark which is in the most holy place had writing on it showing about writing in the heart but it was still a stony heart and he's got to give us that heart of flesh. So we know these things, but I'm still trying to lay a foundation for the indwelling of the Holy spirit in these temples. So people, which is what Yahweh's trying to show is that it, one day it's not going to be in temples made with man's hands. He doesn't dwell in that. He, right. he dwells in, in us, in our souls. Um, keep reading there. It okay. picks up the page. For Yahweh searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Read. Okay. Take heed now, for Yahweh hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Right. Yahweh has chosen thee. And that's how it works. He chooses. He, you know, mm -hmm. Israel was the chosen people. They weren't the choosing people. You know, they were <laughs> chosen for an example, you know, because they were the least of all. But so if the least of all can build a great temple and, and conquer like all those armies in the Canaan's land, then everyone knew about Israel because it was, you know, they were Yahweh's people, right. you know. Just how people know about us, you know. Class has an effect on your family and friends. They know about it. They think it's weird, probably, but they they know there's something. We're strange and peculiar people, but that's a good thing, because Yahweh, you know, He's given us a heart to 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 perceive, eyes to see, and ears to hear. So keep reading. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch, and of the houses thereof. And of the treasuries thereof, and of the upper chambers thereof, and the inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the mercy seat. And the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit 
of the courts of the house of Yahweh and of all the chambers round about of the treasuries of the house of Elohim and of the treasuries of the dedicated things. Right. Skip over to 19. 19. And mm -hmm. this said David, Yahweh made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. Right. So David said, Yahweh made me understand, you know, and he's seeing this stuff in a vision and understanding it, you know. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't know what to do <laughs> in reality. Right. So let's, I think that's good there. I just wanted to pick up about the dwelling of the temple. Now, one was permanent, it was, and then also the place of it, too, whereas the tabernacle was in, say, the holy place of the pattern. The temple was put into the most holy place in the pattern up on Mount Moriah, I think, and that was permanent. Again, symbolizing that that permanent temple is like a sign of the new covenant, which is permanent, just like you have mm -hmm. two sets of teeth. The old first one's temporary. Second set, Peggy always used that nice witness. I always remember for the covenants <laughs> for your teeth. You have one set that's temporary and the second set that's permanent. And just like those sets of stones, Moses broke, brought one up. They broke Yahweh's heart. Yahweh gave him the second set and wrote it in the, and wrote on that heart. Um, why don't we get... Um, Acts 17. Acts 17 and. And let's see. 17 and 20. I know 28. I think we can pick it up a little bit. 24. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Acts 17, 24, Yahweh, who made the world and all things in it, seeing that he is ruler of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Right. Now, I just want to stop you there because we've been seeing examples of Yahweh dwelling in temples. So now after Pentecost, which is in Acts second chapter, we're after Pentecost now, now Acts, which was written by, not Paul, but it's about the Acts of the Apostles. Um, and they're saying, read that again. Yahweh, who made the world and all things in it, seeing that he is ruler of heaven and earth. Right, yeah. not. He made He made the world and he made all, all things. See, it wasn't evolution. It just didn't pop up. You know, he made the world and all things there and the design of everything to go against. The, the reason he designed everything is because everything's going by a pattern, a pattern that he, he designed. So X was written by Luke, I think it says. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> I always think Paul wrote everything, but I forget other <laughs> Other apostles wrote other books. So Yahweh made the world and all things therein, 
and he is ruler or master of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Not anymore. He used to. Right? And didn't it say in our scripture? Which I lost. The first Corinthians six. And it's in First Corinthians, read that quick. First Corinthians three. Just to get another reference in the same book. First Corinthians three and sixteen. Yeah. Know ye not that you that ye are the temple of Yahweh and that the spirit of Yahweh dwelleth in you? Right. Know ye not? Which we did. Who I didn't know that. You know, we're going to church and we're going to priests and eating bread and dipping in holy water and asking and saying in the name of the Father and the name. And it never it never dawned on me. What's how many times can you say in the name of something, in the name of this, in the name of that? And I was too stupid to ask what the name was. Mm -hmm. I did not, I didn't know Jesus was a Jew till I came to class. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I thought he was a Catholic. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the darkness and ignorance that I was, and I thought I was smart when I came to class too. That's, <laughs> I thought I knew a couple things. I went to college, you know. <laughs> I went. I was, you know, I've been around. I toured with the Grateful Dead. You know, I've seen some <laughs> things. <laughs> but, you know, I did not know that your body was, that you are the temple of Yahweh, that the spirit of Yahweh dwelt in you. You know, that, that's, that's revelatory for people to understand that because people are still going to buildings and still thinking God is in a building. Right. To think that God could be in you is, is a, really, it's shocking. And he's in every one of us. That's how he knows, knows what our thoughts are. That's what our, you know, doesn't mean everyone has the Holy Spirit. You know, the whole, that's separate. That's different. Same spirit, though. I know that's tricky, but there's only one spirit. And both mysteries are formulated from that one spirit. Mm -hmm. So, all right, Acts 17 and 24 again. Yahweh, who made the world and all things in it, seeing that he is ruler of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Right, and he's worshiped. How many times, you know, I get on my knees or pray or make this little sign of the cross on my forehead and like on my mouth and because other people were doing it. I didn't even know what I was doing. I'm just mimicking like vain repetition and making signs of my hands, thinking I'm doing something for God that's making him happy. And I'm just doing foolishness and ignorance and, and it was going to lead to the lake you know but through yashua's mercy he brought me out of that and i know that you don't need to you could just talk to your creator you don't need to worship him with your hands or right. go to a temple and put money in a basket you know our sacrifices now are, are really your time and your attention which are valuable to people that's why you know this we don't have a lot of people in class because the world is is beckoning, you know, people are more concerned with the world than, you know, what's in class, unfortunately, but, you know, he's just formulating that bride, that remnant, 
that is is going to be saved. And, and you know, I see it getting down to that point where there's just uh, a remnant left in class of, of the true believers. Um, keep going here in Acts. And hath made of one blood, so let me start again, and hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Right, and he has that power to determine that that's predestination. Sorry to tell you, that's another way of saying it. You know, if he's declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times of things that are not yet done and his counsel shall stand. This is the same thing. He's determined the times before appointed. So how are you choosing anything? If he's determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that's strong language that how Yahweh's in control of everything. You know, that they should seek Yahweh if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far, he's not far from every one of us. We didn't know where to look for him. We're looking at a building, you know, to say the kingdom is low here, low there, but we found out where the kingdom is. Kingdom is where it's within you. That's where the kingdom is. And we're looking up in the sky and people still look in the sky for God. Or people still get to, I see inmates, they, before bed, they'll get on their knees and pay, people still get on their knees by their bedside and pray right. with their hands up like in the movies that's a real thing and you probably don't ever see people do it but because of my job i i get to see that happen and it's privately done in cells but no one knows but people still do that they get on their knees and and these are inmates doing it and they've done some things wrong you know but they're they're trying to pray and they're looking up up to heaven with their hands together um keep reading 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Do we are his offspring? And see, when you're birth, he's, he's the first fruits. See, of them that slept, Yahshua was the first fruits, but we are his offspring because if he has the Holy, he put the Holy Spirit in us, then, then we are going to be. That's that birthing. We talked, um, Rick was working with revelations about that birthing of the Holy Spirit, that woman clothed in the sun and the child travailing in birth in revelations. You know, that's that birthing of the Holy Spirit and how that mystery of iniquity wants to devour that child as soon as, as she's born. You know, soon, as soon as you come into class, boy, <laughs> you think things are going to be easier for you. Not real. I mean, you know. If you stay in class and stick it out, you know, Yahshua is going to be with you on your side. You know, it's mm -hmm. not going to be all terror and destruction in your life. But, you know, if you're exposed to this gospel and you reject it, it's not good. I never see it end good for anybody. But Five minutes, Dr. Miller. Five minutes. Thank you. Please. Thank you. <clears throat> um, all right. Let's finish up here. For as much then as we are the offspring of Yahweh. We ought not to think that the Godhead is like gold or silver or stone carved by art and man's device. Right. And it's talking about the Godhead or the divine nature of how Yahweh dwells. It's not like gold. It's not like a temple. You know, it was, that's what the temples are made of. They were gold. There was graven images. There was an art. See, but it's not like that anymore. Rick, go ahead. 
And the times of this ignorance Yahweh overlooked, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Right. And that but now is after Pentecost because the Holy Spirit has gone out and the true believers have to worship him in spirit and in truth, not in physical things, you know, as it says, but the true believers, the hour cometh and now is that the true believers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And he's not winking anymore at this ignorance. Because the, the just like the, the the truth and the lie is out there in politics, it's for people can see, and it's not like, well, this opinion, because that's sometimes I hear that, that, oh, well, this side's Democrat, this side's Republican. Look, there's a truth and a lie that's out there, and that's what it comes down to. I'm not going to say sides or this or that, but if you're for the truth, then you're going to see the way the truth is. You know, Yahshua will help you, but go ahead. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Mm -hmm. That's That's Joshua, that man whom he ordained. Go ahead. Concerning which he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Right. And we have those witnesses. If you look at Romans 1, 19 and 20, you see the resurrection in the spring. You see how a seed comes up different. You see how that butterfly comes out of the chrysalis. He's given us assurance unto all men that he has raised him from the dead. And that day is Pentecost and that he will put his, that we won't be looking for, to go to temples to worship the creator, that he, he is in us and not of our own doing, not of works of righteousness that we have done. But by grace and mercy, as Joshua saved us and put his Holy Spirit in us. And with that, I'll yield the floor back to the moderator. Um, so if we got something out of that, I'll praise to Joshua. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Miller. And for our next speaker, I'd like to call on the Dean of the Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Okay, good after- good evening, everyone. And just to be sure, uh, is everybody hearing me okay? Fine. All righty. Well, there's a lot of good points that were brought out, but I what I want to do is I want to uh, discuss uh, what was hitting me during the scripture reading. Now, in this scripture reading in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, Paul is admonishing these people about uh, that are in class, I might add, about what they are about to do concerning the impact it will have on the world looking at these people that are supposed to be part of the body of Yahshua. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Let's just start at 6.1. 1 Corinthians 6.1. There any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the sons? Now, now what Paul is talking about here is that obviously somebody here had some kind of a, a, a riff or a beef with somebody else that was in the gospel. In other words, one of your brethren. And instead of them going before those that are in the body of Yahshua, to try to have this thing, uh, if you will, decided. I'll say it that way. They go and file a lawsuit. I'm just going to put it like that. 
They want to bring it before the court of the unjust. Now, what that does, what that is doing, essentially, is airing what I'll use the term dirty laundry for the world to look at, for the devil to use, to try to say, see, those people are supposed to have the Holy Spirit, and they can't even get along with each other. You know, they have this bitter uh, uh, conflict that they're going to have to now uh, go up and, and conf you know, and give a testimony in front of people that are not in the teaching. Keep reading, because I want to get down a little further, and I want to try to make some points about this. Verse 2, do ye not know that the sons shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Now, stop and think about this. We are supposed to be ambassadors for Yahshua the Messiah and for this gospel and the impact of the gospel that has supposedly been uh, brought upon us by learning these things. We're supposed to be a beacon of light to the world. Now, that's why this class is not an easy thing to be a part of. People thought, I remember when I first came into class and I would talk to people that were Catholics and other religions, and they would say, well, what do you people do down there? Don't you have any kind of ceremonies or any, any rituals or whatever? You know, don't you people do any of those things? Because they, of course, considered that a form of worship by having water baptisms and singing uh, and having people raise their hands to the Lord and getting everybody emotional and then not teaching them anything about the truth. We, we know that that was wrong. But they were, they were kind of flabbergasted by the fact that we didn't do anything. We just went down to these classes. Now, the truth is that being in this teaching is the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do in your life. And people say, well, why is that? Because this gospel places a standard upon each and every one of us that we are to live up to the things that we teach and reflect those things to each other and to the world. Now, I just want to say this. All of us have come short of that sometime. Uh, I could say that. I could speak for myself, and I know I have. But I'll tell you this. I take no pride nor do I take any uh, uh, justification when that happens. In fact, it, it bothers me. When we don't manifest and act according to the divine nature that we have been taught and what we are endeavoring to, to have formed in us, it should have some kind of an effect on you about how... Even if, you know, and this is the problem, and he's going to talk about this. It doesn't matter whether somebody defrauded you. It's better for you to take a loss and suffer the fraud than it is for you to air dirty laundry to the world. I'll put it like that. And, you know, when we think we're right about something, that we have a, a, a you know, a right stand in a matter uh, we sometimes get blinded by our uh, 
you know, insistence on that we're right, and therefore we have we should be able to do this, that, and the other thing, rather than rather than how those things can be a negative, a negative, uh, 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 if you will, uh, uh, aspect that the devil is going to use to try to get people to see that those people down there they really don't they really don't have the Holy Spirit. Look at the way they act. Or those people down there really don't love each other, even though they talk about how we have to love each other. All of this stuff, the devil tries to get his hands on it and use it. And I've, I'll tell you this. I've, I've even ha remember in my years coming up in this teaching, all the years I've been down here, of people telling, telling us about how their family had made negative comments about people in class and that's why they don't go down there. Now, we know the reality is that they're not coming down there because they hate the truth. But they're using that for an excuse not to come down there because maybe they saw us argue with one another or get a little bit hot under the collar or any of these sorts of things. Now, what I want you to see is this, that Yahweh would have us to take a different approach to these kind of situations that, that, that we would ordinarily take the approach, if I'm right, I'm going to fight for my rights. Well, that's not always what Yahweh would have you to do. Mm -hmm. Now, let me give you an example. I want somebody to go over there in Peter. It's either, I don't remember if it's first or second Peter, where he talks about that if you are chastened for something that you did, and you uh, does, and you took it well. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's over there in Peter. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, let's see here. I think it's Hebrews 12.10. It's, what did you say, Hebrews? Yeah, I think so, 12.10. No, 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 what I'm after I know for sure is in Peter. I just don't remember if it's in the first, I mean, the second chapter. First Peter, first Peter 2.20. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Reba, if you're going to read that, pick up the train of thought of what, how he starts into this, if you wouldn't mind. Um, okay. I'm going to pick it up at 13. There you go. Thank you. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for Yahshua's sake, whether it be to the kings as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evil doers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of Yahweh, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now that's a good point right there. Now here, when, when Peter says that this is the will of Yahweh, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now we might take that and think that that means that, you know, we do something nice for somebody and somebody sees that and it, it, you know, and it causes people to say, well, those people over there ain't so bad. But, and that's true. I, I'm not disputing that point, but what I want you to see is he's going to go on and talk about something that takes that in a different direction than the way it would you would first think by reading this verse. Keep reading. Verse 15. For so is the will of Yahweh, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as for the servant of Yahshua. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear Yahweh, honor the king. 
All right, keep reading. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. To the forward. Now listen, listen. What he's about to do is show you what is the what up what we read by doing. Uh, it says for is for. For so is the will of, of, of Yahweh that ye, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now down here in the next verse he's going to talk about what is well-doing and how that's going to shut up the, 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 the mouths of people. Uh, 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 go ahead and keep reading there at 18 or 19, wherever you were. 19. 19. For this is thankworthy. If a man for consciousness, conscience towards Yahshua Endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Now listen, here he's talking about if you're willing, if you're willing uh, for conscience sake, before Yahshua, you endure grief, suffering wrongfully. In other words, you didn't deserve what's given to you. Keep reading. For what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, you shall, you shall take it patiently. Go ahead. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with Yahweh. Now this is the good will. That here, there are people that realize whenever you suffer wrongfully, when you are chastened for something or something happens where you're blamed and you take it patiently knowing you didn't do that thing, there are people that know you didn't deserve that, and they recognize that you took it for the sake of man of, of not causing a contention uh, that the world is going to look at and point to, or even the devil, uh, who happens to be in our midst as well, is going to point to that to try to talk about why this teaching is really not what we make it out to be. Because look at look at the way we're acting. Well, here's a person that represents that he's willing to suffer wrongfully. This is a representation of what Yahshua did when he got up on that cross. He was accused when they took him out uh, after that dinner or that uh, Passover, and they brought him before Herod and others. He was accused falsely, and he opened out his mouth. He accepted and, 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 and did not try to defend himself. And, of course, we know the result of that. They beat him, and they... They, they did all these things to him and then crucified him. And he, and, no, and he was an innocent man. You understand? So now we don't want to be on the wrong side of the stick because we feel, uh, look, we, we didn't do anything wrong. Why should I have to suffer? Well, Yahshua didn't do anything wrong. Why should he have to suffer? But you know what? That When we look back at that, with being in the gospel now and understanding the purpose of Yahweh, we recognize that him ex uh, accepting that uh, 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 the suffering that he went through and he suffered wrongfully was a manifestation of his great love and kindness that he would suffer that for the good of manifesting to us Yahweh's divine attributes. And so that becomes the motivation, the intent of why uh, these things are a reflection of that divine nature. And I want to say it like this, an example for all of us that are now in the gospel. Keep reading. For even here unto were you called, because Yahshua also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. All right, now listen. Uh, now, now listen. 
This thing that we're talking about here in the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians was addressed by Yahshua, I believe, in Matthew, the fifth chapter. So let's go over there and get it. Hang on for a minute. I'll, 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 uh, I'm going over there my own self so that we can uh, be together on this. I want to go down. Let's see. Way, way down. I want to go down to five, and I want to go to let's go to let's see. 20. Oh boy, I got it. Wait, hang on, I'm getting there. Start at uh, just for the heck of it. Let's start at thirty-eight. Matthew five and thirty-eight. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. Now that's under the law. That is a quote under the law, where it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So you're quoting scriptures when you say that. And yet Yahshua is going to offer something that's superior to what was back there in the law. Read. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. He said, don't resist evil. Now listen, in this case in the in, that we're reading about, in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter there, somebody is resisting evil. They've been done dirty, they've been done wrong, and they're going to, heck, we're going to go up and take you to court and sue you in front of the non-believers. Because after all, you did me wrong. Now here Yash was talking about and he's saying that uh, uh, resist not evil. Now, this evil that has been done to you, the wrong, we want to resist it by defending ourselves and getting what we feel we deserve. Now, in this case, Yahshua was saying, listen, if you, he's saying the same thing Peter did. He's saying if somebody perpetuated evil on you and they, they uh, uh, smite you, on the right cheek, he said, turn to him also the left. Here you didn't deserve it to begin with, but you're willing to suffer it and even offer to suffer more. You follow? He's, he's making a point here. Now watch, watch, keep reading down through here. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take... There you go. Now he's talking about being sued. Now listen, this very situation that the people are going to court it's already been taught by the Holy Spirit of how to handle it. But instead, we're going to go ahead and we're going to point out the, 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 the dirty laundry of, of people that are in the gospel that have done things wrong so that the devil can point a finger and discourage people from being a part of this teaching. Keep reading. If, and if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Now listen, here he's telling you, just suffer it. Do it, just, just suffer it. Suffer the, def the defraud, as it says over there in 1 Corinthians 6, rather than, rather than you stand up for what you feel is right. Now that may be right in one sense of the word, but in the sense of the purpose of Yahweh and the manifestation of the divine nature, it's as wrong as two left shoes for you to take that course. And I'm telling you to live up to these things is not an easy thing. We're coming into this class with a 
with a carnal nature. And even after we hear the gospel, we got a lot of baggage that has to be unloaded over time. And part of it is how we handle things, how we have to be revengeful or we have to uh, save our honor, all these kind of things, rather than understand that the Holy Spirit has already given us that which is acceptable in Yahweh's eyesight, that is that right demonstration of the will of Yahweh. Keep reading. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. Read. Give to, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Keep going. Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. And pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Now that's not what's going to happen. And when that brother over there in the in First Corinthians six gets his other brother up there in the courts, he is not going to uh, uh, pray for him. He's not going to manifest love towards him because he doesn't. He, you don't have to go up to the court to do that. And I want you to realize that they're doing exactly the opposite of what Yahshua is telling them to do. Now, we know that before Pentecost, our, our natures got the upper hand, the, the carnal nature. So we would do the opposite of these things. But once you are in under the new covenant, and there's supposed to be a new nature forming in you, these things should resonate in our conscience and in our hearts and minds of being an ambassador to Yahweh through Yahshua and represent the same kind of uh, 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 willingness to suffer when we've not done what uh, deserves that kind of punishment, if you will. And here he's telling them what to do. He said, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Now, I don't know how many of us have been in a position to, to, to do this, but truthfully, we have to learn down at class how to reflect the divine love of Yahweh through our conduct. And it takes the Holy Spirit in us to cause that to happen. Keep reading. 45. That ye may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Now I want you to know this, that Dr. Kinley, I was, I've, I've been with the man, I've sat with him, I've watched how he treated people, respective, irrespective of whether they saw this teaching or they didn't see it. He treated everybody with the same kind of patience, kindness, and love. Mm -hmm. He didn't differentiate, because as it says here, that Yahweh causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. To one, it's a witness for them. To another, it's a witness against them. Because when Yahweh manifests his love and manifests his patience and his long suffering and forbearance, for somebody that 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 recognizes that being done through the divine nature, it's a witness for you. But somebody that won't recognize it and won't acknowledge it, it's going to be a witness against them when they have to stand before Yahshua and give an account. You follow? And, and this is what he's trying to instruct them in. Keep reading. For if ye love them who love you, what reward have ye? 
Do not even the publicans the same? Listen, if you just love everybody that loves you, who the heck doesn't love somebody that loves you? If somebody says, you know, you're the greatest, oh my gosh, you're my idol and all this kind of stuff, we're so flattered by it. You know, that person will say to somebody else, they're pretty nice people. Oh my gosh, they're, they're, that's a good person right over there. Because, of course, they, they, they manifested all this love towards you. But see, we think that's a great thing that we love this person back because they loved us. And he says that the publicans do the same. Meaning, though, it, it, here's the, 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 the interpretation under the New Covenant. Even the carnal minds do that, ladies and gentlemen. They love those that love them. That love, uh, them. See? Now watch what he says here. And if ye greet your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Yeah, oh yeah, we're always going to say hi to the people that we know like us. The people we don't like us, well, we just pass them right on by. Keep reading. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, who is in heaven, is perfect. And he's perfect because he makes the sun shine on both the good and the evil, and the rain on the just and the unjust. So what I want you to see is, here we got that situation coming to bear over there in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. And, and uh, uh, what we've got is, we've got people that are willing, obviously somebody that's willing to sue somebody before the court of the unjust, and not thinking about the impact that that will cause and what light it will ca cause can be cast on you know, on the rest of the, uh, the souls, the good souls that are in the gospel that are a part of this teaching. And keep reading back in 1 Corinthians where you left off. He talks about uh, in the second verse that the sons will judge the world and, and uh, shall be judged by you and you're unworthy to judge the smallest matters. When you got problems, ladies and gentlemen, two people have to work this out, sometimes you need to go to somebody that's an elder in the gospel and sit down and do this in an orderly manner and try to get help on what's the proper thing that, you know, because both parties can both think they're right. They both think they got a case. And sometimes you got to get intervention going on in there. Now, if you remember back under the law, give me the Moses chart. Moses was set up back there in the wilderness of Sinai as a judge. And it got that there were so many people coming to him with their problems that, they, that he had to get other people to help him in the case of judging matters that people had come up while they were in the wilderness of Sinai. Now, if, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quote this uh, verbatim. I mean, not verbatim, but... Uh, 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 I'm putting it at my own words. So when he was advised to pick out men that would help him judge, they had to meet certain qualifications. Does anybody know where that is over there in Exodus? I believe it is, or was it in Numbers? Where they were, he talks about these are the qualifications of the judges that you uh, uh, should look for that are going to judge matters between people. Can somebody tell me where that is or find that for me? It's either an Exodus or Numbers. I just can't remember which one. And I believe it was his father-in-law, Jethro Ruel, I think, that told him uh, that there was too much on his shoulders and that he needed to bring other people in to help him judge these matters. 
I think I it's know. Exodus 18. 8-2? 18, 1-8. Oh, 18? And starting at what verse? Uh, looks like 1 is where it starts. All right, let's go ahead. Let's start at 18-1 then. Let me look. There we go. Yep, no, thank you. Further. further? Yeah. About 20, 14. 14? Yeah. Exodus 18, 14. Okay, go ahead. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning until evening? Mm -hmm. And Moses said unto his brother-in-law, because the people come unto me to inquire of Yahweh. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do it. Make them know the statutes of Yahweh and his laws. Now listen, when Moses gives them a judgment, it's based on the law that Yahweh dictated, not based on his theories, concepts, and opinion. Now, sometimes we get called into a situation where somebody comes to us for advice. And, so, and naturally, what we'll do sometimes is give them our opinions about things based on our own way of doing things and usually our own experiences. But I tell you this, if somebody comes to you in class for advice, all of your uh, so-called uh, 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 advice to them should be based on what's in the scriptures and the proper application of what's in the scriptures. Because they're not coming to hear your concepts or theories or opinions, but they're coming to hear what doth saith Yahweh and Yahshua. That's really what they should be after. And that is what we want to give them, is the advice, the uh, admonition that is that Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua have given to the people, down through the law and the prophets, and even right up through into uh, what we call the New Testament. Keep reading. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for me. Thou art not able to torment thyself alone. Now, so many people used to come up to Dr. Kinley to try to get advice uh, to, with usually even personal problems, not just, not just doctrine, but personal problems, that it was such a burden on him that he had to uh, bring other people. And he brought Dr. Harrison, and he would tell people to go see Dr. Harris uh, if they had certain questions uh, that were dealing with their personal lives that they wanted advice on. So I want you to realize that that's exactly what Jeff Ruel was trying to tell Moses. You need help to do this. You can't take it all on yourself. Keep reading. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and Yahweh shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, and thou mayst bring the causes unto Yahweh. Mm -hmm. and, thou and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. They were going to base everything upon what is in the law that Yahweh Elohim has already said. And Moses, obviously, was the one that Yahweh Elohim said these things to and that wrote it down. And so he's going to tell them, this is what Yahweh said you should do. Keep reading. 
Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men. Now, here's, here's what I want to get to. He, Moses had to look for certain criteria to help the people that would help him in this problem with judging so many problems. He said, he said, provide out of the people able men. Now, able men doesn't mean that they, they, you know, they don't have any uh, physical ailments. It's talking about their character and their nature. Keep reading. Such as fear Yahweh. They fear Yahweh. First thing is an able man fears Yahweh. Now, when you fear Yahweh, you're not going to tell people things that are not true and accurate. You're going to tell them what doth saith Yahweh. That way, you're giving it, giving them the straight truth, and trying to help them then to do the thing that Yahweh would tell them to do or have them to do. Keep reading. Men of truth. Then they have to be men of truth. They can't be liars. Now, we know ourselves today that we, we, they, they put judges, uh, you know, in courts and, 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 uh, and even the Supreme Court and all these kind of things. And a lot of that we see and we know is driven by politics. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. People today have no confidence in a lot of the people that are involved in lawmaking and the hearing of the law and that kind of thing, because they feel they are operating under something other than uh, uh, an honest uh, nature and, and, and resolve to the problem. They're operating on how, the, how they're going to look, the politics, you know, what will they think of me? And what, you know, this is the problem. So he's saying that we want people that fear Yahweh and they're men of truth. Read. Hating covetousness. And place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. Read. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter that they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself and they shall bear the burdens with thee. Now listen, I'm just trying to point that out, that there were judges set up back there to help resolve problems within, I'll say it this way, the nation or the uh, people of Israel. They weren't going to go make an appointment up there in Jericho and go to a court in front of, you know, one of the inhabitants of the land there. Now, so here people have an issue with one another, and instead of sitting down with somebody that is solid in their understanding of his teaching, they're going to take them to court or they're going to drag in somebody that, that doesn't have any understanding of the gospel. Now, that, this is wrong because we know that we in this class recognize all of us still have issues. We all have things that still need to be eradicated within us. We also know that none of us are perfect in this, in, in this nature yet, but we can trust that when brethren come together, with a true heart to want to do that which is right in Yahweh's eyesight, that those that have a command of the law and the prophets and the scriptures are going to give them the, the advice based upon how it comes on down through the scriptures mm. and the principle. And so this is what we should be doing under the new covenant. Now, I want to go to another place where Yahshua talks about if, uh, if, if two people have a problem, they should first get together one-on-one -on -one and try to talk it out. And if that doesn't work, they should bring then 
witnesses. Does anybody know where that is? That's over there, I think, in Matthew also. Let me see if I can help find it. Oh, boy. Well, trying to do 522, Dennis. Okay, let me take a look. Let's see. Okay, you said 522. Uh -huh. All right, let me let me see if I can find that. Matthew 18:16. Ooh, okay. That sounds even juicier. <laughs> All right, 18:15. Uh, I, I I was pretty sure it was in Matthew. I couldn't remember exactly where. Uh, but let's see here. This this is probably it. There it is. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're going to start right at 18. Reed. Matthew 18 and 18, you said, or 15? 18 and 15. Okay. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now, here's what he's recommending, that if there's a problem, between two people, that they should sit down in the spirit of reconciliation and try to talk this thing out. Now, if you go in there and you do it with the right spirit and the other person is willing to accept, uh, you know, the, the discussion and consider what's being said, if somebody's offended, some maybe they didn't mean to offend you, but they offended you and you go to try to explain it to them, uh, you know, the point is it could be worked out. And now when two people are able to uh, uh, air these things and, and come in, in unity together, it's going to cause them to be drawn closer to each other because they just saw an aspect of the divine nature and that one person in the spirit of reconciliation and love tried to come to discuss what was offensive and the person that offended tried to make amends and, and recognize that they weren't sensitive to this person and perhaps they should have not said something that they said in the way that they said it, something of that nature. Now, if that happens, then you've just gained a brother. Keep reading, though. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now, if they're not going to hear you, sometimes you've got to take a, 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 a couple of witnesses with you so that you can say, now, listen, I'm trying to get this across, and you've got two people that are in the gospel, that are a witness to the spirit of the thing, the way it's done, and what was said. Keep reading. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the assembly. But if he neglect to hear the assembly, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a, and a publican. So now if they're not going to hear the person when they first come the first time, and then they're not going to hear with witnesses, then the next thing is, it's going to be brought up before the assembly. Now, when I say be brought up before the assembly, oftentimes we're talking about doctrinal issues. And sometimes I keep trying to say that these doctrinal issues can actually be talked out, where people can sit in the spirit of, of, of reconciliation and be able to discuss these things, and both parties have the opportunity in an orderly manner to be able to put on the, on the table their witnesses for what they're saying and then have people consider it. And so that's what we're trying to do a lot of times to reconcile some of these differences in how we see things. Now, that can happen on a personal level, too. 
But remember, the bottom line is everything has to be resolved through the principles that are laid down in the scriptures. That becomes the measuring rod. And we don't do it by going to uh, a, a heathen, if you will. All right, now, let's go back over to our scripture reading. Let's go back over to 1 Corinthians 6. All right. Now, we know that Paul is dead set against these people going to the court of the unjust. So we, I think we left off uh, to at 3, where he says that we're going to ju judge angels. Or what was it? Was it 3? Yeah, 3. All right. Keep reading. Verse 3 of uh, 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that ye, we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Mm -hmm. Then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life. Set them to judge who are at least esteemed in the assembly. Okay. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? Keep reading. But but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you. Now, that's the point. He's telling them that there's something wrong with the people that are having this dispute that are willing to go before the court of the unjust. And what's wrong is, it's not the dispute that he's having with the other person. It's that they're not considering the impact of them doing that upon the name of Yahshua. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to learn how to suffer wrongfully when we know that it will have a negative impact from the standpoint of the world and those that do not have the Holy Spirit. They're going to use it and look at it and use it as an excuse not to believe this teaching or not to come to class. Now, years ago, Dr. Kinley would get on the floor and he would teach people that in the holiness church, they were told they couldn't smoke cigarettes because that was satanic. And Dr. Kinley said, now listen, he went over to that scripture where it said, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. So he made the point that smoking cigarettes is not going to cause you to lose your soul. Now, preaching false doctrine and telling somebody something that is not the truth about Yahweh, that could cause a soul to be lost. And he, and he tried to show that smoking cigarettes was neither satanic nor was it righteous. Now, here's what happened. He knew that there were a lot of Christians that would look at those sorts of things, like smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, and think that that's a satanic thing to do. They, they were called holiness churches where they believed that everything they did had to reflect some kind of righteousness. Now, Dr. Kinley used to tell the people when they left class down there in, in what we call 1040 Grand Avenue in Los Angeles, the bunch, they would all be pouring out of there after class. He said, don't be standing out front lighting up because people would go out there to talk and they would light up the first thing you do as a smoker. People get outside and they light up. He said, Wait till you get in your car and you're driving home before you light up because we don't want people to drive by and look at those cigarettes, seeing you smoking, 
and point a finger and think you're doing something evil down here and something satanic because they're, of their lack of understanding, the devil will use it to cause them not to accept this teaching or to come down to class. Now, smoking wasn't wrong, but he was telling them not to push it up in their face, so to speak. And I want you to know that that's part of the problem that we all have because we, we, we represent ourselves as being ministers of the gospel and sometimes we don't think about our conduct and how it's going to be uh, used uh, against people in the world by the devil. And Doc was trying to make him conscious of that. And I might add for you that Dr. Kinley was a smoker. And he would never light up uh, knowing that it would be offensive to anybody. So he would sacrifice that. So what I'm telling you is that in this situation... What we've got here is there's something wrong because these people are not, these people are not uh, 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 considering how that they're at fault by very fact that they're willing to go to the, the court of the unjust to, to resolve the matter. He says, now therefore there is utterly a fault among you. Read. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? And look, it's not like he's, he's taking a stand here uh, on one person's side or the other. He's trying to tell them both. Because of you bringing this out and airing the dirty laundry, so to speak, you're putting, you're doing a disservice to the name of Yahshua in the world of the people that are ignorant and don't know any better. Read. Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren know ye not that the. All right, all right. Now I want to. I don't want to get into all this. I just wanted to make this point here. Uh, I wanted to make the point about this is the part that impacted me because I started flashing back when I was we were reading this, thinking about the way Dr. Kinley used to advise us of how to act. And, and listen, even the whole thing, well, let me tell you this, the whole thing about wearing suits to class, let me tell I talked to Dr. Kinley about this. Dr. Kinley said that what we want to do now, in the, when Doc set the class up way back, uh, 30s or 40s or whatever, the 50s, everybody used to wear suits when they went to church on Sunday. I remember when I was a kid, and we'd go to Sunday Mass, and people would be coming in, the women would be coming up with their Sunday, uh, you know, dressed up for, for uh, you know, for uh, church, and the men would be wearing suits and ties. This was common practice back then. So what Dr. Kinley said is when people are coming, we're trying to get people out of those those churches, and getting them down to class, we want to make the transition from church to class as simple and comfortable for them as possible. So they, he wanted us to wear those suits so that when they came down there, it was familiar to them and it had the feel of the same thing that they did when they went to church. So it was done for wisdom's sake that those suits were worn and, and, and to make them feel that they were simply coming down to hear a Bible study and uh, a Bible class, if you will, and that uh, uh, they could have the same, the music, all of it was very familiar to them. And so everything that Doc did was for the wisdom of attracting people to the teaching. 
and not putting a stumbling stone in their way. And that's the problem. Now, Paul talks about that. He talks about using your liberty and causing it to be a, a stumbling stone. So there's a place where he talks about if somebody thinks that eating unclean animals is not right, why would you then sit there and eat something unclean knowing that it's already, you know, you understand that it's no longer unclean because Joshua said, don't call unclean that which I have cleansed. These people don't know yet. They don't understand. They think, well, you know, here's a Jewish person, for an example, uh, back there that uh, would come into a house of one of the, uh, the Jews that was in the congregation of Yahshua the Messiah, and they felt that under the law, clearly says you can't eat pork. And this person comes in, they come into this person's house, this person sitting there having roast pork for dinner. Now, what he, Paul talked about is don't use your liberty and cause it to be a stumbling stone for somebody. Set it aside until such time that you can give that person that knowledge and understanding of why it's no longer unacceptable to Yahweh for you to eat pork. And once they get that, then you can sit there and eat pork with them. Now, that's the, just an example. And that's what we have to learn. We have to learn how to how to get down and be sensitive to the, what the people think when they walk in the door from the world or uh, people around us that have heard you talk about this teaching and then try not to use anything that we have now come to realize is, is uh, offensive to them, not throw it up in their face to cause them then to have more of a disdain for coming to class. And the wisdom that we have to use, ladies and gentlemen, and the way we conduct ourselves has got to come from the Holy Spirit. It's got to cause us to have that sensitivity. And Dr. Kinley always acted towards people in this very sensitive manner, never trying to offend somebody over things of this nature. And so that's what came to me when I read that scripture. I, it just flashed me back, and I thought over the years, we've all been guilty somewhere along the line of not using wisdom. I don't think our intent was to offend anybody, but nevertheless, we can offend people unintentionally. And we have to become more conscientious of the impact of what we do, and not just that, well, this is, this is no longer you know, wrong to Yahweh, so I'm going to do it anyway. And Paul said, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. We have to learn what's expedient when something is okay to do and when it's not okay to do because our, we're fishers of men. We're trying to bring people down to class and we don't want to set a stumbling stone in their way. And then with people that, have, that are in class that are young in their understanding, we don't want to cause them who are not yet maybe able to grasp uh, why something is okay and then cause them to have a problem with it and they have to go through all kinds of head trips and uh, feeling that it's wrong and all this stuff, we should try to first educate them and get their feet on the ground about how this gospel works and what we're doing under this new covenant so that it won't be offensive to them. And we have to think in these terms. So that's all I had to say tonight about the scripture. I hope it made some sense. I hope that somebody got something out of it. And I thank you for the opportunity. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to turn it back to the moderator and say peace peace and love to all the brethren.
This, this, that'll conclude our class for this evening. I'd like to thank you all for attending. <laughs> We're here every Wednesday at seven o'clock. And we will be dismissed with a doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude, Holy Name Bible. Now, now unto him who is, that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua, the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and ever. Let the class say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah.